Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. It's good to be back. We had a really good time in Mexico. Uh, not to make you jealous, but it was about lower 80s the whole time. Uh, sunny. We got into the pool multiple times. So again, not to make you jealous, it was a great fall though. One of the things that happened is that uh, when we got back, someone picked us up from the airport and then eventually once I started driving, uh, it took me about five minutes to make two people upset with my driving. And so I, I got into the you know Mexican driving mode where... There, there aren't really any rules, which I actually appreciate. I, I like it a lot because you can pretty much do whatever you want. People go, you know, if you miss an exit, you just get on the shoulder and back, uh, get on reverse <laughs> to make it to the exit. Um, short sections of uh, going the wrong way are socially acceptable. Um, so yeah, you, you can imagine. I mean, I didn't do anything crazy, but I made a couple of people upset back here, here back in the U.S. I, I think I'm, I'm adapting now. But one of the things, the, the, the reason I mentioned that is because I also feel like I'm still a little, my brain is still uh, adjusting back to English. I was uh, thinking and, and speaking a lot in Spanish. So if, if I'm lacking words or if I say something that sounds weird, please... Forgive me. I'm sure I do that all the time anyway. <laughs> You're used to it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so we're in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's pray. Let's ask God to be the one teaching us today. God, thank you for how generous and kind you are. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your son, Jesus, and revealing yourself to us through your word. Thank you that through your word, we can know what is pleasing to you. Please speak to us today. Please transform us. Please help us to grow, to mature. Help us to grow as a church and as individuals, Lord. Help us to overcome sin and temptation. Help us to grow in holiness. Help us to be a light so that the world can see our light and they can come to that light as well. They can be attracted to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's read uh, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse uh, 5. I know that Jordan covered verse 5. I just, you know, that th those two passages are very connected. And so I want us to have a little bit of the context there. So starting in verse 5, and I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 5. The word of God says, For you may be sure of this 
that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So in looking at chapter 5, verses 1 through 21, I, I think that this could be, uh, I think that it would be really great to come up with a study here with a practical guide to overcoming sin or a practical guide to battling temptation or maybe a practical guide to grow uh, into Christian maturity. I think that there are some very, very practical steps for fighting with sin. So if you are, you are fighting with sin, if you recognize sin, the power of sin in your life, if you are convinced by Scripture, as, as all of us should, that we should defeat our sin and grow into holiness, then Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 21 are an incredible tool for us to use in overcoming sin. So uh, Jordan preached on the first few verses last week, and one of the things, or I would say the main thing that he emphasizes is how we can overcome sin through thankfulness, right? And I really love that, that illustration of, of uh, oil and water, right? Thankfulness cannot coexist with immorality. Thankfulness cannot coexist with covetousness. Thankfulness cannot coexist with sin. Right? If you are thankful with, uh, uh, if you are thankful with God for all the things that He has given you, then you are going to be able to fight sin. And so today, I want to continue that that trend. I want to continue that theme of overcoming sin. And so, these are the things that Paul uh, gives us. These are the things that we find in this chapter. So the first. I have, a, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. I have five points for uh, uh, overcoming sin, five points to grow spiritually. So I, I'm hoping that this will be practical. And the first step, the first point is, if we want to grow spiritually, we need to remember the seriousness of sin. If we want to grow spiritually, if we want to overcome sin, we need to remember the seriousness of sin. And that's why I started reading in verse 5, because I think that the, the entire argument of, of 
the awfulness of sin uh, goes back to there, if not, you know, even further. But I want to read those verses again. This is the view that we should have of sin. It says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the son of disobedience. So sin is an extremely ser serious issue. It's an extremely, uh, um, it, it's something that God absolutely hates. And so I think that one of the first steps in working against our sin, in abandoning our sin, in fighting our sin, is to remember how awful, how horrible it is. And it's not just horrible because of how you feel after you commit sin, although that's really bad. It's not only horrible because of how you will feel or what will happen if you get discovered. It's not only awful because of the negative consequences that it brings to you. I mean, those, all of those things are important, but it is awful because God hates sin. Because God is a holy God and he hates sin. The wrath of God comes upon unbelievers, comes upon the sons of disobedience because of sin. I think that someone who continues to struggle with the same sin over and over is probably someone who hasn't really thought about the seriousness of that sin. And so... Because the wrath of God comes upon the, the sons of disobedience because of these things, because of sin, because of immorality, because of impurity, because of covetousness, then the command for us is not to become partners with them, with unbelievers. And so, you know, clearly Paul knows that there is a struggle here. I, I can't remember, Jordan, if you actually mentioned this on your sermon or, or if you just wrote it down in the notes that you shared with me. But, it, you know, when, he, when it says, let no one, um, do not become partners with them. Let no one deceive you. Uh, it seems like maybe there were some people within the church that were teaching or were encouraging other believers in saying, well, not encouraging in a positive way, but in a negative way. They were telling them, hey, you know what? The, the spirit is the only thing that matters and the body, it's not that big of a deal, which is actually called Gnosticism. It was a Gnostic teaching. And because of that, it is probable that they would teach and say, you know what? You can engage in all this sin you want. You can go to the parties, to Artemis. Uh, you can offer sacrifices. You can eat the meat sacrificed to the idols. You can uh, participate in all the debauchery that happens after the parties. And during the parties, you can get drunk. You can do whatever you want because in the end, the body is, is evil. And the body, when you die, it's just going to disappear. Your spirit is what matters. And so don't worry about engaging in those things. You can't. And, and I believe that, you know, that's why in, uh, in Revelation, in the letter to the Ephesians, uh, Jesus actually congratulates or, or, or uh, commands the church for having fought against that doctrine, right? The doctrine of the Nicolaitans and the doctrine of, um, 
I, yeah, I, I, th I think it only talks about the, the Nicolaitans. If we want to overcome our sin, we need to remember that the wrath of God comes upon unbelievers because of these things. And one of the things that will really help us understand this is that Jesus suffered the wrath of God because of these things, right? The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience because of these things. But if we remember the gospel, if we remember the work of Jesus on the cross, then we should remember that the wrath of God was poured on Jesus on the cross because of these things. And so when you are struggling with sin, when you are struggling with anger, when you are struggling with uh, laziness, when you're struggling with immorality, when you're struggling with whatever it is that you struggle, you should remember that that sin was something that put Jesus on the cross. When you are struggling with those sins, you should remember that Jesus, as he was crucified on the sign that was put on, on, on you know, above him, that's the sin that was written against him. And that should be what motivates us to abandon our sin. Not just how bad it makes us feel. I mean, yeah, it, sin makes us feel bad afterwards and we feel guilty and it has negative consequences for us. But really the heart of the issue is that God's wrath is poured on the sons of disobedience because of these things. And the wrath of God was poured on Jesus on our behalf because of these things. Number two, something else that will help us overcome sin is to remember our new identity. You used to be darkness, but now you are light. It says in verse eight, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So we need to remember that we are no longer darkness. We no longer belong to the sons of disobedience. Here's something that I really appreciate about this passage in Ephesians. I appreciate that every time that Paul talks about the sons of disobedience, the Gentiles, the unbelievers, he is very, very intentional not to identify believers with unbelievers. He is very intentional to make sure, to, to make clear that when he's talking about Gentiles, about sons of disobedience, he is not talking about the church. And I think, uh, I know that Marcus uh, uh, Mc, McDaniel, Marcus McDaniel, pastor of, of uh, First Baptist Church in Hoquiam, I know that Jordan talked about that as well, where we should no longer identify ourselves as sinners. We should no longer identify ourselves with the sins that we used to commit. We should no longer identify ourselves with our old identity. It doesn't make sense. One example that someone gave me a long time ago, someone who was discipling me when I was a teenager, was uh, identifying with those sins or going back to those sins is as if you were renting somewhere, you were living somewhere, you were paying rent to, a, to the owner of the house, the landlord, and then at some point, the landlord sold that house to someone else. And so now you have to pay rent to this someone else, to this other person. Well, going back to our sin, going back to identifying to our, our sin would be as dumb as continuing to pay the old landlord, right? There's no point in paying the old landlord. We're just wasting our money because it is the new landlord that we're supposed to pay to. And so in this case, 
the idea is we are no longer darkness. We are no longer sons of disobedience. We are no longer Gentiles, which is incredibly good to remember because then when it says that, this, that the wrath of God is poured on the sons of disobedience because of these things, it is saying the wrath of God is not poured on you. And I think that's also what's going to help us to fight our sin. I think that fighting our sin with the truth of if you continue to do these things, or, well, sorry, if we continue to try to fight our sin, thinking, if I continue to do these things, the wrath of God is going to be poured on me, we are only going to get so far. But if we fight our sin with the truth and the reality that we are no longer sons of disobedience, but we are children of God, right? Look at verse one again. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The truth of the gospel is what's going to help us fight our sin. Remembering that we are no longer children of disobedience, but we are children of God, that we belong to him, that the wrath of God is poured on them, but it's not poured on us because he poured it on his son Jesus on our behalf. We are a new creation. We are a resurrected humanity. That's the thing that Paul has been arguing for the first three chapters of this letter. And so, uh, uh, you know, he has been talking about walking, walk according to the calling that you have received, no longer walk as, as the Gentiles do, walk in love. And in this particular case, the exhortation is to walk as children of light because we are light. We are no longer darkness, but we are light. And the only reason we can be light is because God shone his light on us we were transformed, we received light, we were brought from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son through the work of Jesus. There's a hymn that I really like, and, and there's especially one verse in that hymn that I, I feel is very, um, it is related to this topic. The, the hymn is called, And Can It Be That I Should Gain? And this is the verse, it says, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and follow thee. I really love the idea of how we were imprisoned, right? The imagery of we were imprisoned, we were in a dungeon, there was absolute darkness. But when God sent his light upon us, we received that light. We were finally able to see, we were freed. If you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul also talks about that there. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts 
to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I love how it says in the face of Jesus Christ, right? If you want to see the light and the glory of God, if you want to be transformed, if you want to overcome your sin, you have to come to the source of light, which is God. But he gives us that light in the face of Jesus Christ. So as we come to the word, as we come to the gospels, as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, as we uh, uh, continue in communion with Christ, we will be able to receive light. We will be able to be transformed from darkness into light more and more. So, so far we have, remember the seriousness of sin. If you want to grow spiritually, remember the seriousness of sin. If you want to grow spiritually, remember your new identity. Number three, if you want to grow, if you, if you want to overcome sin, you have to walk as children of light. You have to live, you have to act, you have to uh, behave as children of light. And the comparison here is that, oh, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm not talking about the comparison yet. Good fruit is found in what is good, right, and true. Verse um, Well, verse 7 again, Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So how do we walk in light? Well, walking in light, the light is found in what is good, right, and true. And obviously we know that God is the one who is right, good, and true, right? So if we come to God, if we come to his word, then we are sure to, be, to, to find the light. But I think that this is also a really good filter for the things that we do, for the things that we watch, for the things that we engage in, right? I think that every time we are going to watch a movie or every time we're going to uh, uh, read a book or scroll through Facebook or have a conversation or say something or hear something or whatever it is that we do, it would be good for us to always have in mind the question, is this good? Is this right or just? Is this true? But I think it goes even further, right? Because it says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. I think there's an important distinction because on the one hand, we know that God loves us, that we are his children, that we belong to him, right? That there's nothing that we can do to gain our salvation or gain more favor with God than we already have because of the work of Jesus on the cross. But at the same time, we need to understand that there are things that please God and things that displease God. One example that helps me understand this, and maybe it would help you as well, is the relationship that I have with my wife, right? I, I love my wife. I know that she loves me. I know that we are committed 
to one another. And so I am not nice to my wife with the purpose of remaining married to her, right? I know that my marriage, I know that our marriage is, is a, a um, it's, it's a commitment that we have to one another. I know that our relationship is a commitment to one another. So I'm not scared of being like, oh, well, if I don't, you know, if I leave my socks on the floor, I know that she's going to divorce me or she's not going to love me anymore or whatever, because I know that we are secure. But at the same time, because I love her, because we are secure, because we're married, we're committed to one another, I am going to try to discern what is pleasing to her, right? I can't just go about in life thinking, oh, you know, we're safe, we're good, we're committed to each other, I can do whatever I want. No, because I love my wife, I'm going to ask her, hey, well, that's kind of, I'm not going to ask her, do you like it when I leave my socks on the floor? I think every wife, and there's no wife in the world that likes it when the husband leaves floor on the floor. Sorry, uh, clothes on the floor. Um, but I'm going to try to discern what is pleasing to her. And so in the same way, when we know that our relationship with God is secure, when we know that we belong to him, when we know that he is our father, that he loves us, that he loved us so much, that he gave his son Jesus, our relationship is secure with him. So we don't live in fear, right? And always thinking like, oh man, I messed up and I think God is angry at me right now. Oh man, I did this and so I'm not even sure if, if he's still accepting me or not. No, we know that he's accepted us. We know that he's already given us the greatest gift that he could give, which is his son Jesus. But because we love him, and because we know that he loves us, then we're going to try to discern what is pleasing to him. So that we can live in a way that is pleasing to him. So that we can live uh, giving him glory, giving him honor. And so how do we find what is pleasing to him? Well, again, we could ask the same question. What is good? What is right? What is true? And I think that that can be found here in the word of God. If you want to know how to live a life pleasing to God, you should spend time reading the Word of God. You should spend time reading the, the, the um, I mean, really, the whole Bible. But I was going to say, like, I, to me, I found it very, very helpful to read through the New Testament letters like this one, like Ephesians, and just have, you know, a lot of information here. I mean, the, the, pat, the verses that we've gone through have a lot of very practical information about what is pleasing to God, right? It says, therefore, having put away falsehood, falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. What is pleasing to God? Well, it is pleasing to God when we speak the truth. It is pleasing to God when we do not steal, but when we work. It is pleasing to God when we do not lie, but speak the truth. It is pleasing to God when we love our brothers and our sisters, when we love our enemies, when we love our neighbors, Right? So if you want to know what is pleasing to God, you need to spend time reading the Word of God. If you want to know what is pleasing to God, you should also read the Old Testament. Now, read it with the lens of the New Testament in mind, right? Because I have found many believers who read the Old Testament and then all of a sudden they feel guilty because they are wearing clothes with mixed fabrics. And so, you know, we need to read the Old Testament with the lens of the New Testament, with the lens of the New Covenant, but know that there are things that are pleasing to God and there are things that are displeasing to God. 
number four, if we want to grow in maturity, if we want to battle our sin, we need to, uh, instead of partaking in the works of darkness, we need to expose the works of darkness. It says in verse 10, oh, sorry, no, I read, uh, read verse 10. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And so here is where the comparison comes, right? On the one hand, the works of light are fruitful. So when you engage in the works of light, you are actually producing fruit. You are actually uh, uh, accomplishing something. But when you engage in the work of darkness, they are absolutely unfruitful. How dumb is that? How foolish is that? To spend your life doing things that have absolutely no benefit for you or for anyone else. So instead of engaging in those things, instead of partaking in those things, we should expose those things. And I believe here is a principle that is extremely important for fighting with sin. If you want to overcome your sin, you have to expose your sin to the light. One really, again, not to make you jealous, but one cool thing about Mexico, one of the many cool things about Mexico is uh, when you do laundry, you put it in the wash, and then instead of putting your clothes in the dryer, well, a lot of people don't even have dryers, because you can hang your clothes to dry in the sun. Well, you look at that, right? Here, we can't do it. Uh, and one of the really cool things about that is that when you leave your clothes in the sun, they do not smell bad, right? Here, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, several people or some people, they, you'd have uh, some sort of sheet or something to make your clothes not smell bad or, uh, you know, use super strong soap or whatever. Um, but in, it, it, when, you clothe, when you dry your clothes in the sun, the sun gets rid of the smell. The sun gets rid of just, I don't know, bad stuff. I don't know how it works. Don't ask me. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> but there's just something really special about sun-dried clothes. And my point here is that when things are exposed to the light, they are dealt with. When your sin is exposed to the light, you can actually deal with it. As long as you keep your sin hidden, it's just going to continue to rot in there. It's just going to continue to, to, to mess with you, to destroy you, to harm you. It's going to fester. It's going to become horrible. But when you expose your sin, when you bring it to the light, and the light is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So when you bring your sin to God, when you expose your sin to God and say, God, I do not want to hide this anymore. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I bring it to you. I confess my sin to you. Please make me clean. That's when your sin is going to be dealt with. And I think one very important aspect of this is also confessing your sin to a trusted brother, if you're a guy, trusted sister, if you're a gal, because I think that some people 
can kind of fall into the, the, the self-lie of saying, oh, you know, I'm going to confess my sin to God, and I promise this is the very last time I'm going to do it. But I think that it starts to become just self-deceit, where, like, you don't even care about God anymore. You're just trying to hide your sin. But if you really care about battling and overcoming your sin, you're going to confess it to God wholeheartedly, and part of that is that you're going to ask for accountability. You're going to come to your leaders. You're going to come to a mentor. You're going to come to a mature believer and say, brother or sister, I'm struggling with this. Will you please hold me accountable? I want to bring this to the light. I don't want to hide it anymore. And lastly, if we want to overcome sin, if we want to become mature believers, we have to be a light to the world. We have to be outwardly minded. If we only focus on ourselves, if we only focus on me and I'm, and, and I'm buried in my own problems, it's going to be hard to grow. When you real, but when you realize that you have a higher calling, when you realize that you were brought from darkness into God's marvelous light, in order that you would proclaim his excellencies, then you have a purpose in life and you're not going to be stuck with your sin. In fact, you might even forget about that thing that used to bring you temporary joy because you have found something so much better, so much more fulfilling. And so he says, you know, instead of participating in these works, expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So when we walk in the light, when we ourselves are a light to the world, the world is not going to be able to ignore that. Right? I, I mean, everyone knows, right? When, the, when it's dark and you light a candle, you can see it from anywhere. I don't know how many of you lost power during this last storm, but if you did, I'm sure you probably used a candle. Again, not to make you jealous, we didn't have any storms in Mexico. It was beautiful. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> uh, you guys are going to start hating me. Uh, if you light a candle in the darkness, it's visible, right? It's, it, it's impossible to hide. So in the same way, when we are in this dark world, surrounded by darkness, when we are walking in light, when we are shining our light, when we are working in the fruitful works of the light that are good and just and true, when we are trying to discern what is pleasing to God, when we are fighting our sin, when we are trying to grow closer to Christ, the world is going to see it and some may even be attracted to it. Jesus said in Matthew 5.14, and you can turn there with me if you want, Matthew 5, verse 14. 
Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are supposed to be a light. We're supposed to walk in light. We're supposed to do the good works that God loves and that he prepared for us so that we would walk in them. And when we do, we are exposing the works of darkness. And with, but by God's grace, some people, when they see that light, they will wake up. Right? The hymn says, my chains fall off, my heart, oh, sorry. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. We need to understand that we were saved, we were rescued, we were given light, not only for our I mean, yes, it's amazing to be a part of God's kingdom. It's amazing to have light, to be light. But the reason you turn a lamp on is so that others are able to see. And so the reason we have been made light is so that we can bring the light of God to a world that's lost in darkness. And so if you want to overcome sin, you have to get outside of yourself. You, get, you have to, to get out of self centeredness and start proclaiming the excellencies of God to the world. So just as a summary, if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to overcome your sin, remember the seriousness of sin. Remember your new identity. You are no longer darkness. You are light. Walk, therefore, as children of light. Walk in whatever is good, right, and true. Uh, discern what is pleasing to God, to the Lord Jesus. Instead of partaking in the works of darkness, expose them because they are unfruitful, they are shameful. And be a light to the world. Get out of your self-centeredness and be a light to the world. And obviously, none of this would be possible if God had not put his wrath on his son Jesus instead of us. We cannot be a light of our own accord or of our own strength. It doesn't matter how hard we try. We cannot light ourselves up. It has to be God shining his light upon us in the face of his son Jesus, through the sacrifice of his son Jesus. And that's why one of the reasons why we celebrate communion every week because we want to remember the work of Jesus on the cross because we want to remember that it is through the work of Jesus that we are no longer under God's wrath we are no longer children of disobedience but we are God's beloved children let me finish by reading once again Ephesians 5 verse 1 therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Lord Jesus, we thank you 
for loving us, for giving yourself up as a sacrifice. We thank you for taking our sin with you on the cross. I pray, Lord, that you continue to shine your, your light on us. That you would shine your light on our unbelieving neighbors. That you would shine your light on the homeless community, Lord. Thank you for the work that you're doing um, thank you for the ministry of Simon and Sandra and Charlotte. Thank you, Lord, that you are working. But I pray that you help us to be a light to our neighbors, to our homeless neighbors, to our, our, all of our neighbors, our co-workers, everyone, Lord. We thank you for the work of your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.